welcome to Pete's Percussion Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Zambito, and we're here for episode 276 and the return of educator, performer, and the head of the Diversity Alliance for the Percussive Arts Society, Elizabeth De La Mater. Let's get right to it. Elizabeth originally joined me in 2019 prior to that year's PASIC to discuss the panel she was hosting for the Diversity Alliance on percussion and harassment issues in the workplace. We also had a full discussion of her career up to that point, including the fact that that semester, she'd been working as a sabbatical replacement in Trinidad and Tobago. You can check those episodes either through Google or clicking the links to episodes 167 and 168, which are found in this week's show notes. This time around, Elizabeth was again hosting the Diversity Alliance's panel on Percussion is for Everybody, which featured four performing percussionists who all have some sort of visible disability that they have had to manage to create their careers. It was a fantastic session that featured David Siegel, Jen Martinez-Brie, Andrew Bainbridge, and Darren Williams Jr., and once again was one of the best things at this in-person PASIC. And one of the things that got brought up during the session were the immense challenges that are required for these panelists to even travel to get to an in-person PASIC. It was also one of the few sessions, if any, during PASIC where there was what I'll refer to as an effective amount of discomfort. Issues were made more real, direct, and present in these sessions and continue to be why they need to be a regular and more prominent part of PASIC in the future. Additionally, keeping up with Elizabeth on social media, soon after we talked the first time over two years ago, meant learning that she was one of the folks who not only got COVID-19 prior to many people even being aware of it, but has had to deal with the long-haul issues related to the sickness ever since. And she'll be telling us more about that here and her rebounding through the vaccines. So let's get to it. We recorded this interview over Zoom on November 5th, 2021, and it begins right now. So Elizabeth, tell me about the panel that you are moderating. I am moderating a panel for the Diversity Alliance at uh, PASIC for the Percussive Arts Society International Convention. Diversity Alliance panel will be the second in a series of every percussion is for everybody. And this year's series version, or I guess episode, is disabled percussionists. We're going to have four panelists who are physically disabled. Uh, they are of different ages. They are specialists in different types of instruments. Their careers are uh, focused in different ways, and uh, they're all going to tell us about uh, their lives and their careers. Um, and we've, we're going to cover a whole um, huge range of topics, so I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Now, who are the other panelists? Uh, the panelists are Andrew Bainbridge, uh, Darren Williams Jr., Jen Martinez-Brie, and David Siegel. How are either they or you all identifying disabled percussionists? 
you know, there are many people who are disabled in ways that are not visible. There is a lot of invisible disability, and that's actually a huge conversation, especially right now in the last couple of years, um, because there are many ways that society would prefer to not see disability. Right. Um, sometimes uh, people have people. It's it's also easier for those of us who are disabled to keep our disabilities private. Um, but some folks don't have that luxury. So there certainly is a huge range of disabilities. And this year, um, we're focusing on folks who are physically disabled, who are, um, they do not have the choice, um, or as some would say, the luxury of uh, keeping that hidden. And um, these folks have still been able to play percussion. Um, so they're disabled uh, for different reasons, um, whether acquired or genetically. Um, and you'll see that some folks have had to make uh, instrument adaptations or mallet adaptations. That's one of the things we're going to talk about. Um, and I think that's something that uh, made the panel especially um, interesting to the uh, folks m judging the applications at PASIC. That was something that was I was asked about pretty early on. Um, so we're actually trying to also arrange for other sessions where some exhibitors and industry folks can come talk to the panelists um, to, about their specific adaptations. So it turns out that a lot of people all over the world um, are making their own adjustments. I mean, we all do that, right? We all have preferences of how we want a symbol stand set up or how we want a, a pedal, how tight we want a pedal. And um, it turns out that a lot of people are making things that will allow them to play um, or altering their mallets in some way or making their own mallets. And uh, so we'll, we'll hear how these panelists do it. And um, we'll also hear how they were helped or not when they were kids. Um, and how their careers are affected or not, how their music, how their art is. That's a, a big thing in the disability arts community is artistic identity. Some people have, have a, it's a big discussion. I mean, and some of us um, who are disabled feel like it's a, always part of our art, and some of us feel like it's sometimes or never. And so I, I identify as disabled, but I'm um, mine's acquired. I have a physical disability from having migraines and now long COVID. Um, but that's just, you know, that's very different. And so maybe at a future panel, we'll do something like that or a chronic illness. I don't think you asked me about that, but <laughs> no, that's, but I mean, that's, that is something I want to, I do want to get to with you because yeah, I, I hadn't put together the Visually, well, no, you said um, hidden, right? Hidden versus um, not hidden, or uh, visual versus invisible. There's actually, uh, it's a, it's a, literally a big topic, and you can, it's like a Twitter hashtag, even. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah, um, it, because also it's part of activism. Some people believe um, that if we if people are more 
obvious uh, or if we are more, if those of us with disabilities are more open and uh, visible about it, then the world will look around and go, oh, whoa, it, you know, there are, there are a lot of people around here and, and we have to um, kind of get our act together. And because of course, as you know, many buildings is like in this country don't, aren't following ADA rules. And right. that's just a, a one example, but sure. I'm skipping topics again. You're the interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> and some of that is due to some of the, the building specific inch, uh, which you kind of, you had alluded to is, a lot of it's due to just age of building. Yes. yes. These are all new, newer adaptations and just buildings are not up to date in that kind of code as well as other right. related codes. Uh, you're in a fancy building. We're in a new building. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Most, most folks don't get, and you weren't for a very long time. You weren't for a very long time. Too, <laughs> yes. In the University of Wisconsin system, it's very, very difficult um, to get any, you know, changes to a building. And, and so if you are in a wheelchair or um, on crutches, I was on crutches for a year. Um, a lot of times to get into a, a building, um, the door that has is automatic uh, might be the farthest from the parking lot, right? Sure. Uh, and that's maybe the, what they had money to do. Right. And, um, these things, I don't know, they get, there are so many different layers of why this hasn't been fixed yet, but, um, luckily that's not, uh, my area at least yet, but, um, that, that is part of the idea is that if we show how many, those, how many people in the world need these accessibility, accessibility measures, then, maybe we can get some folks to change. Yeah. But we're going to talk about drums and equipment. And I've actually heard from some exhibitors and manufacturers. Some folks are, they, they literally do not know and would love to know um, what they can do. And uh, so maybe we can give them some ideas. What stands to me, at least with some of the, the challenge here is that, it's one thing, okay, so if we think about it from a wheelchair perspective, uh, that there's there's a little bit of a standard there, at least in terms of like height and width. Not I'm not saying that it's it's so there's so when there's when you're building um like a ramp or you're widening a doorway, we we tend to have like some idea of of what's enough of a distance I, th I think to create something that that works. There are so there are supposedly there are uh, standards that buildings are supposed to follow. And right. I'm assuming that buildings don't. Right, right. There are codes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so where I was going, I agree. Yes. Um, ideal versus actual right, is, is right. a real, is, a, is an enormous challenge. Um, yeah. I was thinking what I, where I was going with this was you're, you've alluded to the fact that some of the people on the panel and others in this, who are, who are who are trying to be artists, you yeah. know, effectively, basically, um, are are having to create their own stuff uh -huh. to make it happen. Yeah. And I was, and my my guess was was wondering how, from the um, manufacturer's perspective, 
how viable is it for them to create something that's that's a, a kind of on a mass scale? Like that, yeah. that's where I was going. Right. Well, that's that's the big question, and I yeah. think that uh, from talking to some of the, my panelists, they have some really good ideas. And um, two of the panelists are drummers who gig a lot all the time, yeah. and uh, they'll explain how they've made that work and what gear they use and what systems they've ended up, ended up putting together. Yeah. Um, and uh, sometimes it really, I think it will just be a matter of just maybe extending ranges of um, adjustment, perhaps. Right. Mm-hmm. I, shouldn't, I shouldn't even be speaking about this on other people's behalf, but sure. that's an example. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe there will be some other uh, options that currently do not exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know that one of the other panelists right now is going to tell us about a prototype that she and Piper vibes are developing. Um, so some things, yes. I mean, that's part of it, right? Is that sometimes the adaptations are so personal. The manufacturers say, there's no way I can afford to make this. I can't change all my specs in my factory mm-hmm. um, just to make two a year. Yeah, uh, I, I can't afford that. Um, but maybe there's some middle ground and maybe now that machining and technology allows for different things. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? So that's part of the part of the conversation. It, it also seems like one another part would be if you are a gigging percussionist and you and you think about the fact that a lot of what we do is moving instruments is yeah. is all that stuff. And you you just like in my head, I went through, OK, what would be all of the questions that one of your panelists would have to have answered uh-huh. to even consider accepting a gig. Yep. And just like way more than anything I would, I could just say yes. And I could figure it out. Someone else could, is just going to be like, all right, I like, I have, this has to be there. This like, or I, you know, can't it's do pretty, it. It's pretty cool. You, you'll, I think that a lot of folks will get, learn a lot and get some pretty great tips as well. Um, because you have to be smart if you have physical challenges or for example, if you have pain, right, you've learned some stuff over the years. I mean, we all have, if we're, we've been playing for 30 years, there are some tips, uh, that I've already learned from talking to, uh, one of the panelists that, that I'm going to start using on, on my schleps and, um, that's the thing we can we can learn from people who've who've put in time and brain power um yeah. and money right right so uh i'm not gonna i actually can't speak for it i don't know everything right. that you know but yeah come and come and listen to some cool things that they've that they do how did it occur that you wanted or you all the diversity committee wanted to cover this particular topic this time well we are uh, trying to do um, these conversations and we were able to continue or to, well, yeah, continue conversations through um, virtual means during the pandemic. And um, we were doing able to do some instrument focused things um, or some uh, industry focused things with uh, PAS and um Last year, 
sometimes there are certain things that work so well live where people can ask questions. And last year's PASIC panel was, um, it was virtual, but there were so many questions in the chat. I wanted to do one of the things that would, that would get a lot of questions. I wanted to do that live. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I, you know, in my head, um, I and the Diversity Alliance, we have a whole bunch of different um, populations and, and uh, topics that we want to end up presenting. Mm -hmm. um, and this one I chose because I thought this would be excellent live. Now, it's a, a bigger burden to ask some of these people to travel. Sure. Um, so that was, that was a big ask. And, um, but I felt that we all felt it was worth it and the panelists felt it was worth it. And, um, it's, it's, uh, pretty, pretty great. It's pretty exciting. That they're having to travel with restrictions. Right. I mean, right. Travel's hard enough. So the two of the two of the people at least are traveling with companions. Things are so much easier that way. Um, with the uh, pandemic continuing, um, I was worried, but with vaccinations um, being required, that's made everything a lot more comfortable. And so I had thought that some panelists would drop out, but everybody is still coming, mm -hmm. and um, it's a. Uh, it's a great thing. I mean, the Indiana Convention Center, I don't know if if they've really been advertising it, but they they did, um, I think, millions of dollars of renovations. And they have... Since the last PASIC there? Since the last PASIC. Uh, for hygiene, for the pandemic. So oh, yeah. the um, doors and... Um, all kinds of things where you like restrooms and things where we used to have to use our hands are now hands free. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, uh, HVAC, um, has been greatly improved and, um, they've changed some things with the, uh, expo hall. Um, and they're, they've got their whole act way down. And so like, I'm feeling more comfortable about going into that space now. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, Indian general has been very, very good. I, that the city works well together, like the city with all of the museums and all of the arts organizations. And so they really made it a priority to be a safe place to go. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was really worried, but, uh, I'm feeling very good about, about going to see everybody in person next week. Yeah. That's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. You had alluded to this at the beginning about the um, invisible aspect of disability, um, which is it's one of the, that's actually the thing that I'm we deal with a lot like it. At, I'm sure like all, across higher ed, but like thinking of Mizzou, because yeah. we, we actually I, I try to encourage students to like go through the center um, particularly when, even if it's, even if it's asking for like extra test time or something like that, um, yeah. even, even if it's on a temporary basis, yep. um, because that makes it easier for me to, I mean, I'm willing to allow that as a faculty member, but it's easier for me to do so if the student has also has kind of gone through and, and realized that this is actually for their benefit. 
to to go through and 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 be um you know get the get the accommodations that they need to be successful right yeah and and just because for so many reasons um you can still go all the way through high school even all the way through your undergrad and still not know that you have a learning disability yeah. you still somehow not know that you you are have are neuroatypical in some manner and that it's not that you're lazy or right. that you're you know somehow just simply disorganized and um if you can go be evaluated or go get some assistance i i've known other people who um, their lives have just been changed in so many ways. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of folks uh, still struggle with assistance, but it's a, it's a big difference from, say, um, people of my parents' generation who didn't have any help. And right. um, it, I can't recommend it enough. I think everybody should learn, should learn how they learn and. Right. You know, yeah, get, get, uh, if you, I think that's kind of what grad, grad school is anyway, if not undergrad. Um, but if we all could become better versed on what strengths we have in learning and then learn how to assist that, um, yeah. that would be helpful. So yeah, encouraging your students to go, um, either for formal testing or just, uh, some assistance, that's that's so great there's the resources out there are amazing um and the way people are taught especially people who went through no child left behind yeah um, <laughs> some of those folks never had to take certain kinds of lecture courses and then they get to college and, right oh boy they're in trouble yeah so that is a whole nother panel we'd love to do mm -hmm. um or four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. The next series. Yeah. Panels. Right. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about how if you haven't had if you've been able to not to kind of progress through and then you have to sit in lecture courses and like that's just gotta be the worst. I mean, or just really, really challenging. Yes. And one of the things that, that's beneficial, at least and it's kind of like a been a recommendation and I don't know if, if you've noticed this as well, is that if we are able to record lectures yeah. um, right. that I know that there are students who will watch and rewatch, like, cause like some, one yeah. of the things that, that frequently someone will ask for is note taker assistance. And one way to kind of take, I don't want to say take care of that, but one way that that can be accommodated without that is if, if it's recorded and then they could just go and play it until they and rewind and go back until they get it, you know, and it's oh. on their time. Boy, that's been so great. I mean, and, and having that in classrooms now, um, Oh man, some of this technology that we, that schools were forced to get over the last couple of years has been really great for accessibility. Yeah. Is the plan with the with the panel this uh, that's coming up to just kind of have the the guest panelists kind of just describe like what they deal with? I like kind of like part of their introduction is 
they're going to share their the disability that they have that interferes with their playing or that has um, changed their ex playing experience from those who are not disabled. Mm -hmm. And um, they'll describe what their current careers are. And then we'll talk about a whole bunch of things, including um, education and uh, who may have assisted so, because some people had some um, amazing educators. Some people had to had some aha moments on their own. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about economics, um, yeah. economic issues. Uh, we're going to talk about artistic identity. We're going to talk about gear. Um, we're going to talk about um, uh, just uh, at least three more things we hope before we make sure we have time for questions. Mm -hmm. We will also then have instruments in our diversity room. So, Oh, this is a, okay. Is that a new thing? That's a new thing, right? A diversity room thing. It's awesome. Super pumped that we are going to have a room in the Weston, just one of those small cabinet rooms yeah, yeah. Um, near the escalators. And we're going to have our resources up there. The resources that our subcommittees have been putting together over the last couple of years. So we'll have things posted, um, including some of our, uh, some of the learning guides and um, some of the anti-racism educational resources. And on Friday, we will have instruments in the room. Mm. Um, Joshua Simons has been really great in acquiring uh, vibes and drum set for us. And so the I'm not sure yet if we're going to have a specific time or if actually I think we're going to have them for the whole day, but mm -hmm. people can make um, appointments even to go see, um, talk about the instruments with the panelists. Um, I think that uh, Darren and David play the drum set the most and they want to talk um, together and play together uh, to, to show each other and uh, anybody who wants to watch um, what they do. Mm -hmm. We're all going to have also a meet and greet at our booth because we will have a booth in the Expo Hall. Oh, fantastic. 11 is the diversity booth. Um, we're usually near some of the loud drums. and uh, So that'll be at 3 o'clock on Friday. So most of our stuff is on Friday. And um, otherwise, our, we'll folks will be walking around and um, if folks want to know how to get a hold of myself or any of the panelists, they can go to the booth and uh, figure out how to reach me and we'll work it out from there. Um, but yeah, it's um, all the panelists are super excited to be able to talk about this. They say that, you know, they, every time they play, they get a lot of questions. Yeah. Unless they're just sitting in a corner at a, you know, at a wedding gig. Sure. Uh, but if they play on a big stage, then, so this is a chance to really let folks ask, ask away, um, especially educators. I'm really proud of the Diversity Alliance's uh, initiatives also this, this year, the um, different subcommittees um, and or members um, kind of sponsored or worked with other committees at PAS mm -hmm. to 
to get some amazing sessions going. So I wanted to highlight a couple of others. Yeah. Um, one of our point people, Dr. Sean Daniels, um, is a timpanist for the Color of Music Festival Orchestra. Yeah. It's an all African-American orchestra. And his section is playing a showcase concert on 9 o'clock on Friday. It's the first time at a PASIC that an all African-American section is going to play, um, orchestral section. And they've been working on this. Uh, Sean's been working on trying to get make this happen for a while. Um, so this is super, super cool. Another thing that happened was our professional opportunities subcommittee uh, got together and helped recap, which is a quartet of um, women of color, young women of color in on the East Coast. They were just profiled by NPR, by the oh, way. Oh yeah, yeah. So they they did a virtual session. Okay. Um, some of our folks are on a panel from the University Pedagogy Committee. Adam Groh is a Diversity Alliance member and an awesome teacher and educator who, of course, has been doing some wonderful uh, programming initiatives and a compose, composition consortium. And this year, the Pedagogy Committee put together a panel about um, diversity curriculum, mm. diversity in curriculum. So yeah. that is going to be incredible. They're also doing... That's Thursday at four, but then they're doing breakout sessions at five, which is mm. not usually done. So we're doing, we're being super academically smart here at PASIC this year. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I mean, just some really great things um, to, as well as, of course, you know, fabulous performers, but some really wonderful ways to become more of an inclusive um, member of the community, an inclusive educator, um, and appreciator. So it's, it's uh, going to be a great session or rather convention. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for letting me, well, there are more sessions, but those are going to be amazing. Oh, and Oliver Molinas, the, um, Northwestern state, their, uh, new music literature percussion ensemble. Yeah. All new pieces. I mean, I guess that's what the session is, right? But right. Um, some amazing commissions. New young composers giving people a chance. It's super cool. We are playing and I'm getting emotional. We're playing the music of more people. We are playing music with more people. We are teaching more people than we did before. And that's how it should be. Yep. When we talked last was actually while you were still, um, you were finishing up in Trinidad. Right. Um, obviously way before, like not too, not too long before everything changed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you don't, do you mind just talking about what happened when that was done? Yeah. And kind of like the, the steps that the things that happened when you were back in the United States fully. I got COVID at the end of my time in Trinidad, in Trinidad. Oh, I, I got didn't know. it. Yeah, I, it, it's, it, I don't think it necessarily was like in Trinidad yet. It was yeah. from a, a tourist spot. Mm. We went to a tourist spot and 
Um, I, I hope I didn't give it to anybody else because as soon as I got sick, I ended up quarantining myself and, um, it was really horrible and yeah. uh, it's a long story, but I made it back to the U S um, it's very similar to what other people talk about, uh, in the early days that at the ho- I went to the hospital. They didn't know what it was. Um, it, luckily in Trinidad, they didn't, they didn't have the meds I needed. So I checked myself out, which may have been a bad decision, but <laughs> I think it was in the end, a good decision because it did take folks a while to figure out what to do in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made it back and then I was really slow to recover. I mean, it took me two and a half months or I get kind of confused still thinking about it, but it was at least two months to get my taste back. I guess at least a month or, or maybe two months to get my smell back. And so I was, you know, slowly climbing out. I was really tired and all that. I just thought, wow, I really got sucked by something. And then they started talking about this virus, and I didn't even put them together at first. So wait, wait, was, this is all still before lockdown? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I was not healthy, and I was thinking that I just – I was seeing the doctor, but yeah. uh, then then the news started coming out, and then they said, oh, you know what? <laughs> What did you say again about your smell? <laughs> what was that about your taste buds? And right. Often. So um, then everything went into lockdown. And after that, I couldn't get in to see anybody about um, any like side effects or anything that I was having. So I really, um, and, and like the whole thing about antibodies, and for a while I was thinking, boy, if I have antibodies, maybe I could really help somebody. But um if you're not in a big city, well, even the big cities were overwhelmed the first summer. Right. I mean, I wasn't in a really big city. And so, um, nobody really wanted to hear about it for a while. So I, I did, um, contact the CDC at first and I tried and said, Hey, maybe, you know, anybody want my blood, but um, <laughs> I have blood. I think who wants I, it? I don't know if this will help. Um, I have a friend who got it, and they were doing. They did t- uh, some experiments. He got it in, I think, April or May that first year. Yeah. That summer, they he donated some plasma, and um, they ended up, I think, you know, ended up using that in some of the first. Um, trials and things like that. And so I, uh, but I, I was just still trying to figure out my heart rate and Mm. some other goofy stuff. So it did take a while before I could get into some therapists and get, get the rest of that going. And I've still got some issues that I'm working on. Um, It really messed up my eyes and ears. So I had to stop playing for a while and I'm happy to say I'm back at it. Yeah. So, because you're wearing, I mean, just for so people understand, you are wearing, uh, like sunglasses, like I guess a version of sunglasses. Yeah. I'm and wearing- is that is that part of like you you your new eye situation? I guess. I th- I'm wearing um some glasses. They're called Theraspecs, mm-hmm. and they are um I highly recommend them for anybody who has a sensitivity to blue light. 
So anybody who has migraines, anybody who has light sensitivity, mm -hmm. um, they're great for me. I also have special prisms in my glasses now and all kinds of other stuff. And um, so all of this together lets me look at you and see your smiling face. And then uh, I have to do all kinds of eye therapies, like physical therapy, like twice a day I got to do exercises and um, what, what, I have no idea. What does that mean? Uh, okay, so like um, literally I have to look at things. One thing I had to do for a while was I had to follow. So you have to do um, – I'm going to forget all the like words. peripheral right? vision stuff? Oh, I had to work on my peripheral vision. I lost that. So mm. in April I didn't have – I didn't have any peripheral vision beyond – um, straight, looking straight. Yeah. So I had to work that up again. Um, they're called, when you jump from one object to another, it's called a saccade. So I have to still work on my jumps okay. like timing and smooth jumps. Um, and, uh, I had to, uh, like, you have to stretch your eyeballs. So I have to practice rolling my eyes. Mm. <laughs> and what uh, if you're already good at that though? I mean, yeah. is that a, it was, it sucked, man, because I could not be sarcastic for a while without giving myself a headache. <laughs> they, I can now roll my eyes again. Oh, good. Yeah. So that's, stuff like, it's really wild. Yeah. That's a skill I, I hope to, I mean, that's a, I, I had never thought of that having, of me having to think about the physical pain of being sarcastic and that would just be, <laughs> God, that would be so hard. Yeah. No, it got to a point where if, if you if I looked up mm -hmm. uh, or looked down, um, it it really I mean it really really hurts. Yeah, I gotcha. Still not great, but it's much better. So yeah, how does one develop or redevelop the peripheral vision thing? Well, there are a lot of different ways you can do it but one way i did do it was with my old uh keyboard exercises on the roof mm -hmm. so i went back to my kinesthetic exercises um i played some a bunch of scale stuff and mm -hmm. um i'm still working on that and um jumps and works on intervals um and uh some old Buster Bailey stuff and um, it's balance alone is is and was weird. So I mean, all, when you have when your eye muscles are goofy, then your balance is off. And yeah. so all of this means that your um, that I felt um, dizzy, and so I so playing the marimba made me nauseous for a while. Mm. <laughs> it's very strange to say, but. And yeah, we just thought, well, okay, what, what did I used to do? And so I went back to the basics. Yeah. Um, and I'm still doing that um, because I still can't quite find those notes. I used to be able to reach up, you know, two octaves and kind mm -hmm. of reliably hit. And I can't yet. So I'm back, back to about an octave mm. without looking or with just glancing and working it up again. It's like I'm trying hard not to not to just make a eternal joke of myself and be like, "Well, I make myself nauseous because I suck this morning <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was practicing." 
I mean, that, there's all of that. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice to have like an exchange, like, oh, well, now I can't, I can't do this, but I have a magical ability to, you know, play really fast, swing beautifully, or something. Yeah, was right. Like, yeah. Hoping for a superpower with all this, and God, it's and, the least. It's the yeah. least COVID could do for you. It's right. <laughs> right. Uh, how far in? Did it occur? Because I I don't know that I had heard of long COVID. Yeah. Until maybe the summer, right? Summer twenty twenty, or maybe long. Like I'm not. So when did it, you realize you're like that's what I am actually dealing with now? Uh, it was actually a Twitter thing. It's like oh. people people were saying, supposedly this thing goes away in two weeks, but I gotta say my my head's still hurting, and and then other people would be like, man, I'm still taking naps. And, and then, uh, so this, these hashtags started and, um, for a while we were using the long hauler. Right. Yeah. And, um, then a doc, one doctor or a couple doctors, a couple people got together. And so there are a couple big organizations started and, um, the largest one is called body politic and, um, they started kind of saying, Hey, everybody, let's like start collecting our information. Um, mm-hmm. another one was, is based out of Indiana university, I think. Um, but so, so then you word gets out and they're like, okay, so so-and-so is collecting symptoms. Mm-hmm. And, um, so you, and then you agree to get emails and you start getting newsletters and, um, but Twitter was the first time. Also, I started seeing people say, I was really sick in Italy in this month before they're saying, and other people were saying, well, I was really sick in Spain in this month. And so, you know, that at first they were like, oh, it it didn't leave China until, (laughs) and then they, then they kept pushing things back. Yeah. Um, And, uh, some of us were like, yeah, we know (laughs) we, we figured that out. So I think that I, I mean, I knew, I knew I wasn't feeling good. I thought I just was doing a really bad job of recovering. Sure. Yeah. And, um, it felt good. I mean, it's disheartening to a lot of people, especially young folks. So I've still seen messages from some people saying, are you telling me that I'm going to feel bad? Like I'm going to feel like this in two more years. And sometimes the answer is no. Um, and uh, if you, some folks do feel better and they just get some therapy and they get, um, depending on what their symptoms are, they, they, you know, get the right kind of PT and yeah. maybe they get um, just some, some re muscle, re lung conditioning. There's a big breathing treatment that's important and then you're fine. And other folks are disabled for the rest of their lives. So, you had mentioned in the early, in the kind of our opening segment about you know you you've you've dealt with migraine issues, right? And how did was that was that also affected here? Well, I know my migraines were made worse, and I but I lucked out because some other folks who had migraines before and then got COVID found out uh, that their previous 
the things that had worked for them before to treat their migraines did not work anymore. Mm. And so mine still do, but my migraines definitely got worse. Um, all last summer didn't, they basically didn't stop. Um, yeah. that's really improved with some lung treatments that I've had and a specific exercise program that I have had, but it was, um, it, it also complicated my, um, eye and ear recovery because my eye therapy can trigger my migraines. So mm. they had to slow it down. It's called vestibular therapy and other people have to go through parts of it. Um, there are many reasons why people might have muscle issues, um, or balance issues where their eyes don't line up in yep. one way or another. And, um, they had to slow the program down for me because of my head. <laughs> mm. So, I mean, the answer, the, the thing is that folks were saying, oh, but it doesn't affect people if you're not otherwise sick. But the thing is, like, once you get to about 30 or 35, everybody's got something. Yeah. So, I mean, and with COVID, it's, it's something, if, like, if you have a bad knee or, or uh, like, I had a torn meniscus. Well, ever since I had COVID, my knee hurts every day. So COVID is, is something it's, uh, it's, it's this evil thing, man. Yeah. It's not just the people who are already deathly ill. It's yeah. like, it finds, finds your weaknesses. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, oh, yeah, but I lucked out compared to a lot of other folks. I mean, one, you're still with us, which is awesome. That's a very good point. That's, that, that we'll open with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I was, I remember hearing about, and I, I think this was pre-vaccines, mm -hmm. that are hearing about athletes who suddenly like, and it was, and the weird, and the thing was, it was almost entirely female athletes, identifying athletes, who all had this, like, basically their cardio never came back and it, you this makes sense with you talking about the 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 lung scarring yeah the the cardio thing is really terrifying and my cardio um i was just having a heart rate thing that was scary and it turned out to be fine it they fixed it with exercise an exercise uh regimen that was better better and smarter than what i was doing sure. <laughs> and um the but there are a lot of other people who have had very specific problems and complications and um it's uh it it did seem to be female but the last um i i know a a mountain climber and a triathlete who's like 27 this guy mm -hmm. who's you know uh he, he's he's not doing any of that anymore um, so now I don't know the stats on uh, gender or, or anything. Yeah. Um, Slack network that I'm on, is it's just thousands of people. Yeah. And so sometimes people say they identify themselves by age or something else, and, and other times they, they don't. Um, mm -hmm. They do that for the formal study, but it doesn't seem to matter. It just doesn't seem to matter. Yeah. And neurologists said that this will maybe be like Lyme's disease mm. in that you, you just will have this lasting damaging effect in different ways. So in the end, 
in five years, there will be a lot of people who don't have COVID anymore. Like I specific, I don't have it. Yeah. Test is negative, but you know, person A will have to get uh, shots because of leg problems or, or um, and person B will have to get shots for osteoarthritis and person C will have to get shots or treatment somehow for their lungs. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, what they're anticipating, but that was, maybe that'll change. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just a drummer. So right. what do I know? You know a lot. <laughs> Thanks. Have you been able to, since you came back, uh-huh. um, have you been able to still, in what ways have you, have you been able to keep up with activity, uh, professional activities? So I, I'm, I am, I did have to stop playing in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. this last summer and spring, I am able to play now. I, I'm able to gig and, um, I thought, I mean, last year I was okay uh, with all the Zoom stuff. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little loopy. So I have that um, word finding problem and, and brain fog that a lot yeah. of people have, uh, just from middle age and whatnot. But um, this summer, I really did think I would have to hang up everything. Mm. Um. But now I, I'm back to being able to follow a conductor again and um, back to gigs and being able to give master classes and things. And I was just able to do a master class via Zoom yesterday. I'm teaching lessons, um, writing, and um, of course, right now everything's ramped up with the Diversity Alliance. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, basic, basic, basic all the time. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's getting getting going again. I think that the if I, I'm not teaching at a university right now, I don't I can't imagine being able to do that at this moment a, a full day like I used to, mm-hmm. um, unless I had a, an hour for a nap in the middle of the day. Sure. <laughs> um, and I uh, I will be taking a nap at PASIC. Mm-hmm. Maybe right in the middle of the exhibit hall. Sorry, folks, just walk sure. around. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You know, you you can listen, Elizabeth. You can set up the the room in the Westin however you want. You <laughs> cot, like right, <laughs> right. Just just like, and no one will know, and be like, and then all of a sudden you appear, and you're like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Consider it. Is all I'm saying. Okay, I like it. We yeah. have some uh, literature about anti-racism resources here. We have some posters for adaptive mallets here. And over there is Elizabeth sleeping on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> works. We'll leave some markers you can draw on my face. <laughs> What hey, if you're still asleep, it's fine. Yep. It's only fair. <laughs> I I think I remember seeing a post on Facebook, I want to say, or Instagram, where you had mentioned that did did stuff change for you when you were able to get the vaccines? Yes. It was amazing. 
It was like magic. It was, I mean, really, it was, I feel like I am, I feel like I probably sound very kooky, but um, I had the second vaccine and uh, the, about, I had it at 11 in the morning-ish. Mm-hmm. And the next morning I woke up and I felt much clearer. And again, I'm a drummer, so I'm going to be very, un- I'm going to be speak about this very poorly, but... There are a couple of ways that, you know, the brain is evaluated and one way is uh, in cognition and one way is speed of information, right? When we, when we speak to somebody uh, or, or when we read something, how the speed of how we process it right. um, other things are tasks. Can you do tasks um, at once? Can you handle a task in a row or for example, directions, mm-hmm. um, can you keep them in your brain? Uh, at the same time and in order. So like literally can, Hey, please, you know, go to the door, um, unlock the door. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're already smiling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I... but you know, when you, when you're like, when you're busy or you're tired, yeah. say, wait, can you, can you give me that again? I, I forgot. Do I press zero to dial out or do I press eight? And then, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So all the things that are hard to do when you're tired, I was having a difficult time even when I was fresh. So it got yeah. to the point at home where I was kind of, uh, we, we had a bit of a problem around here. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, I was carrying, I would have to carry, say, a glass to the table. Mm-hmm. And then I'd have to go back and get a fork and then go to the table. If I'm setting a table, I mean, that was the processing. Like if I was given information, it would, it would take me a second sometimes to really understand what somebody was saying to me. So a lot of that really got so much better the very next morning. And, um, Mm. my husband and my mother noticed it right away. Um, I literally was speaking faster the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, my, uh, nausea was better. Um, some of, a lot of my pain got better. So before that time, I had been having a big problem with pain that a lot of folks who have any kind of chronic illness have, where you just have some days that you just have a lot of pain. You're very susceptible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just inflamed. And that got a ton better. Yeah. So uh, that was huge. Um um, just huge. Like I woke up and my back didn't hurt. So great. Can't explain it. Um, a lot of folks. Yeah, exactly. But I'll take it. I don't, you can, you can, you can decide, uh, who's responsible. That's fine. Yeah. So it, it was, it was strong enough. The change that you and your loved ones, like immediately could tell. Right. Yeah. You're like, even I, it was like, do I sound different? Cause I feel different. And then it's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. So a great example of that whole task and processing thing is, so I mean, so like thing, you know, when during the pandemic, we didn't go out much and we didn't have to do much. And, and I, I just didn't feel great, but um also the work I had to do was spaced out enough. So I think my endurance was fine. I didn't, none of this 
especially my cognition didn't get really bad until last spring. Yeah. And so then when it was really bad, if we had to leave the house, I, I couldn't handle putting, putting on my coat, getting my money, getting my phone. I always take a water bottle with me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was just, I would just be standing there. Yeah. Just like, actually it's, it's like a toddler. If you have a, you know, like you have to say, okay, come here, do this. And so I would look at my husband and be like, can you please help me? I am yeah. aware that I need a bunch of those things and I need them in my hands, but I'm pretty sure that I'll fall if I try to carry them all down the steps. And I'm not sure about the order of put of carrying them and holding them. And, and he'd be like, put your coat on first. Okay. Thank you. I mean, it's so weird because I, we could have that conversation. Mm-hmm. He'd, so he'd tell me, put your coat on. All right, great. And then he'd say, pick up your water bottle. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. So all that kind of thing. Well, the next yeah. morning, that first morning, I'm just like, grab my phone, grab this, grab this, walk into the living room like a rock star, you know? <laughs> Showing off all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, really. What else do you want to talk about? Right. Yeah. It's very weird. Um, well, I, I, since we, when you were on the first time, we, we did random ask questions, but I, I can, I'm going to give you a couple follow-ups to kind of close this out. Okay. All right. Or, or, uh, or I'll ask you uh, others I, I hadn't asked you the first time. So, oh, okay. All right. So first one is, do you have a go-to karaoke song? Nope. Just no. The answer is no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't. I. I. I've never done. I. I've never done karaoke. I. I will never do it mm-hmm. because I care too much. <laughs> okay. I would never want to. For example. Belinda Carlisle. I would never want to tarnish her legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, or either either the Go Go's or her or her or solo her. legacy. Exactly. Like yeah. there's, you know, I, I want to let all of that music sh- shine. Yeah. And I I don't want to put anybody's ears. No, no. <laughs> so. By the way, have you seen the Go Go's documentary? No, but I've heard about it, and I heard an interview with, uh, or read something with a drummer. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very good. I, I recommend okay. it. Good, good, good to know. Good to know. You know how how sometimes in those someone will will. It, it's like the, they'll say something where where you may not have put it together, and then you're like, oh. I get why this is like popular, or or like why this worked. And okay. one of them they just said was, "Yeah, we just slowed all the tempos down that we used to play when we were when we were pu- like a, a punk act, basically." And I was like, "Right, yeah, it's like fifteen beats slower, and it just makes way more pop sense." Right. I was listening to one of their songs. That's why I brought them up because they were on at some store I was in the other day. Yeah. And I was like, this is so simple. Yeah. It's one of those songs that's so simple, I could never write it. 
I would never think it would succeed. It's so, and that's what it is. That makes yeah. sense. Like we got the beat, for instance. Yes. yes. It's like one chord until the chorus. And it's yep. just like the baseline figure and that's it. And, and oh, it's like, they don't, the verses do nothing else literally until like we get to the entrance of the chorus and you're like pop magic right there. Wow. <laughs> See, if not, if, if for nothing else, I'm so glad we talked today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the, I'm a, I'm a, the, well, it's funny, like the Belinda Carlisle, the other song I love is, um, uh, into, no, is it? No. Um, yeah. Into deep. Yeah. One of her solo songs. It's a great yep. song. Yes. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. It's good. It's going. All right. All right. Well, how about what is our right, different question? What is a favorite book? Pachinko. By Min Jin Lee. Okay. Um, and uh, Sing Unburied Sing. Oh, Jasmine Ward? Yeah. Okay. Those are recent favorite books. I don't know the first one. I mean, I've heard of the second one. I haven't read it, but I don't know anything about the first one. The first one is one of these sagas. I, it's like I, I was like, ugh. This looks like a big, it was recommended, you know, and I, I got yeah. it. I was just thought this is going to be a slog. No, and you're like, I, I, this is going to, I'm going to be sore trying to carry this book around. Yeah. Like, all that stuff. <laughs> no, it's really transform. It's really like this whole world is created magical and you can relate to everybody. And, um, it's about this time that I, and people that I never knew about it starts in Korea. Um, uh, before World War II, and then this family ends up living in Japan, and you learn all about um, Koreans who, and Korea, um, when Japan took over, and then the life of Koreans. But it's about a family, and it's just, um, it's amazing. So. Gotcha. And then tell me a little bit about, because again, I've, I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it, but Sing Unburied Sing. Sing Unburied Sing is about... Uh, two kids so it's really about a boy um but it follows it, it's a road tale um and it's a it's basically his mother um is on it takes him and his sister who he's really responsible for um and they're on a trip to go up to the state penitentiary and um basically his mother doesn't is neglectful. She's, she's full of her, her own issues. And, um, the, so the boy is like, I think he's, well, now it's been a, a couple years. Mm. I think he's, um, nine and, um, his grandparents have taken care of him at home. So on this trip, he, um, all these interesting things happen, but he's also learning about adults by watching them. So the way it's written is really, interesting but also very very sweet and the way he takes care of his sister is very sweet and then there's some kind of magical realism that gets sort of heavy with some ghosts oh yeah <laughs> so um because of course she does that really well and uh then um they go they end up going back and um his kind of gets a little a few life lessons from his grandparents um, and his grandfather sort of sets him on a path for the future. 
He's mm. learning. He can't rely on his mother, but he's by the end of the book, he's ready and he's okay. Cool. It sounds so. It, I mean, it's, it's not about. It sounds dark and sad, but it's it's really a beautiful book. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that sounds great. Is there a movie or TV show that you just find yourself quoting a lot? No. Well, I'm hoping that's going to change. So when my eyes got bad in March, I had to stop watching videos. Mm. And I just started being able to watch uh, things longer than a minute again and just started being able to watch TV again. So we just started watching um, the Reservation Dogs. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's great. And um, one of the things that... It is that they say a lot is a curse word, but it's very infectious. I'm not going to repeat it here, but that is something that is going on in my head. So um, talk to me in another week and maybe I'll have some more quotes for you. All right. I'll sit when I, when I find you taking a nap, I'll wake you up and ask you to, there just, you go. Yeah. Like, and I'll actually call it out. I'll, I'll yell at you the way that, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You woke me up and then just, just, just punctuation if it was a just flying out of your mouth (laughs) no i'll try not to (laughs) no but if you're talking about i mean the one of the first things i watched um when i had the chance was summer of soul oh yeah oh so good all summer and i was like when my eyes can handle it i am watching that yeah so good I was very fortunate. I got that. That was part of our, um, our film festival, uh, this past year. So, so it was, um, and I, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's like, what was better Stevie wonders drum solo or, or, um, Mahalia Jackson versus, uh, Mavis Staples. Like, I mean, it's just so good. Or the whole segment on, um, on Nina Simone, like I mean, just right. Yeah. Holy cow! Yes, yeah. And I honestly, I haven't, I hadn't seen a video of Stevie Wonder playing at that age. It's right, playing the drums little, but not at that age. That yeah. was so great. What a great way to start. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, my favorite. I think my favorite side segment was the the um the whole thing about the man going to the moon. That totally. montage was amazing. <laughs> totally. I always wondered what, you know, real America thought about that. And there it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, it was, and it was like, you know, if you were, if you were paying attention, um, I'm sure you were, but like, you could see like the setup was coming. Like, I, I don't know. I was like, when he, when he, he's like, I was just sitting there. I'm like, Wait, there were like four white people in a what in a row that had commented on. I was like, "Oh, I know where this is going." <laughs> <laughs> right. Brilliant. Let's jump to kind of the usual close. What's a, a piece of art? Piece of that art. has most impacted you. I feel um, like we've covered a lot of great art, so I, hopefully there's there's I some more left that you want to talk about. I'm just going to be really, really honest. Mm-hmm. This might sound cheesy, but the thing that's gotten me through this whole summer is nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I at the beginning of the summer I could only see in front of me, and I 
um, couldn't, it got to the point where I couldn't hear um, very loud sounds without getting nauseous. Um, Everything's linked. Mm -hmm. And so if my eyes got bad, then my ears would hurt. And um, uh, fresh air, like they literally prescribe fresh air. And I uh, could take slow walks. And um, I, we moved, so we moved to a new neighborhood and um, we moved to a place that has new trees and a new park. And we're literally a couple blocks from Green Bay, the bay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, we are uh, around just some beautiful nature. And that's helped me. It's crucially helped me recover every day. Been outside. Um, literally takes time when I couldn't do anything else, when I couldn't read, when I couldn't watch um, or listen. And um, I appreciate it more than I ever, ever did before. And this fall, I'm amazed by the colors. I was always... Uh, spent every fall so stressed out and this fall I'm so grateful to be able to see it and hear it Um, so I I haven't been to any museums for a while and haven't been to any sculpture parks um, but I've been outside and been to some uh, forest preserves and that's pretty great that's my answer It is always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to Elizabeth de la Mater. Hopefully, she is continuing to feel better, and she can resume as much of her previous activities as possible in the coming months and years. Thank you, Elizabeth. This week's rave is the 2021 documentary, All Madden, directed by Tom Rinaldi and Joel Santos. This film is a look at the life and career of National Football League Hall of Famer John Madden, Filmed very recently, and particularly timely, since he passed away at the age of 85 in late 2021, and is still being eulogized and thought about ever since. John Madden was one of the most influential folks in the history of professional football, and it broke down into three work segments primarily. If you grew up in the 1960s and 1970s, You knew about John Madden through his exploits as the head football coach for the Oakland Raiders, one of the premier teams of that era. He retired with the winningest percentage among all coaches who coach at least 100 games in the NFL, a record that still stands. If you grew up like I did in the 1980s and 90s, you knew about John Madden because he and announcer Pat Summerall were considered the gold standard of announcing teams in all of sports for a period of about 20 years, announcing many of the great games and teams of that era on CBS and Fox. Madden had no plans to go into announcing, particularly because he never enjoyed broadcasts of that era. But once he got in, he completely transformed both pro football and announcing. He was the first to bring a level of teaching and explanation to the complicated game of football and to do so with trademark sayings and enthusiasm that folks have been attempting to capture and do ever since. If you grew up after that time period, 
you likely knew John Madden through his video game, simply titled Madden. And it would be followed by the year, like Madden 95 or Madden 2022. These games started to come out in the early 1990s and continue to be one of the most popular video games of all time. And if you were in one of these later categories, you sometimes had no idea that John Madden, the video game guy, was John Madden, the coach, or John Madden, the announcer. Maybe the greatest thing about this film is that it serves as the right kind of conclusion for someone's life. Many folks interviewed, whether they be coworkers, players, other broadcasters, media folks, etc., were able to tell John how they really felt about him and how important he was to the culture, to the history of football, and to their lives. They were filmed, and he is filmed in this documentary watching these folks talk about him. And you could tell that he was profoundly moved by seeing all this. And if you're not aware of any of this, then check out the documentary All Madden, now streaming on many different platforms. And that's our show. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment and a rating. You can always find every episode and the show notes at the homepage at PeteZambito.com slash Pete's Percussion Podcast, the episodes. The show is also on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast locations. If you're on Facebook, like the page Pete's Percussion Podcast. You can find me there on Instagram and Twitter at Pete Zambito or by email at Pete's Perk Pod at gmail.com. And I'll catch you next time. Until then.